And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad even? Your team gonna be sad leaving after matching up with Brad Stevens. Each season, champion contenders. We drop twice a week like you trying to guard Kemba. <laughs> your team whack and your players whacker. I got the inside scoop after hanging up with Jay and Packer. Okay, we about chips here. I'm talking about this year. Banner 12 plus 6 here. Carson was top rookie. I'm saying it now. Ain't playing around with Tatum and Hay with a brown. We off the charts, but you gotta play it market smart. Close out, cause he pulling up from Harvard Yard. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up today. You heard? <laughs> AJ, I, I see you there. She. Welcome to Everything is The Boston Celtics podcast here on The Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan. And I am joined not by the kid, but by special guest from Forbes.com. He covers the Boston Celtics, friend of the program, Chris Grenham. And we are coming to you today after the Celtics should have played a basketball game, but they have had three consecutive games postponed due to players being on the COVID list. We know that Jason Tatum... Uh, We don't know, but we are gathering from uh, available evidence that Jason Tatum has tested positive. Uh, It's unsure if the Celtics will play again on Friday against the Magic, but their Wednesday night game against the Magic. Uh, And I was feeling down. Uh, There was not a lot of stuff to talk about in the NBA world, especially in the Celtics circle. And then all hell broke loose today on Twitter. Uh, The Houston Rockets traded James Harden to the new, almost called them New Jersey Nets. The Brooklyn Nets in a move that we kind of all saw coming uh, at some point, but James Harden comes out last night and says, uh, I I don't think we can fix it. And then the next day he's traded to Brooklyn for, I think, what amounts to eight first-round picks. Uh, Chris, what was your reaction to the news and the total trade deal? Well, I guess first let's let's focus on the trade for uh, Harden to the Nets, and then we can talk about all the other layers that popped out of this thing. Well, I was kind of surprised. I was under the impression, or like, I was kind of banking on him going to Philly. I don't know why. I just, I thought there was the reports coming out that they weren't really blown away by Brooklyn's assets that they could offer them and whatever. Obviously, they turned that around and got Victor Oladipo. So that was a curveball that I did not see coming at all. But I thought the Pacers actually made out pretty well getting Karis LeVert in exchange for an expiring Victor Oladipo contract. So I thought that was interesting. Um, The number of picks is absolutely absurd i i think it's like four swaps three first rounders something like that i i'm not even four first rounders and four swaps basically absurd houston controls brooklyn's draft for the next seven years and then they also get a pick uh, the bucks pick in 2022 right which is all the basically the Cavs had to throw out to snag jared allen um 
who was the, I think, the third best player on the Nets so far this year. That was kind of wild. The Cavs just swooped in and were able to grab him and Torian Prince like out of out of nowhere. It seemed like that was, I mean, a terrific grab for them, and they just kind of like wiggled in, grabbed Jared Allen, and then left. So great, great day for the Pacers. Great day for the Cavs and. The Nets also have some really good basketball players right now. Potentially great day for the Nets. And <laughs> yeah. the thing is, they unquestionably got better. Like James Harden, some would say top five player in this league. And by some, I mean everyone. Like he is that good. <laughs> yeah. Looks a little beefy right now. But when you can combine him and Kevin Durant on the same court, I just don't know how you stop that. You throw that in with the biggest wild card ever right now, Kyrie Irving. And it could go amazing. It could just be the best offense ever. Joe Harris and Jeff Green could just just hang out in the corner, knock down yeah. open threes all day. It could be absolutely unstoppable. With that being said, it could be absolute chaos, and I am here for it. What do you think Kyrie thinks of all this? Like, I, I, I would be. Oh man, I would love to. I would love to hear what he thinks of this because obviously there was reports that they talked about this in LA over the summer or in the off season, the shortened off season. So it's clear that like he, at, at some point in time, he was on board with this being a, you know, a super team, but I, I would have to think he probably didn't have too much input over the last 24 hours. No, considering he's, he's, away from the team. The he's not talking to the Nets. So there are reports I, out before the Harden trade that he's just not communicating with the team whatsoever, like not returning his calls Steve Nash the other day was like, yeah, I, I just don't know why Kyrie's not here. He was on a Zoom call raising money for a Manhattan district attorney campaign uh, half an hour stuff. before. Wild stuff. I'm glad. I love that Kyrie is getting involved in his local district attorney election. Just he had to know that that was going to be on Zoom. And like people would know that that's happening a half an hour before his team's supposed to play the Nuggets. Yeah, absurd. I kind of feel bad for Steve Nash. Like he keeps getting peppered with all these questions. And then I think it was yesterday he got asked, you know, is Kyrie going to be back at all? And he, sure. Was his response? It's like, I, I literally have no idea. And so I do feel bad for him, but it'll be interesting to see like when he comes back, how this all works out. Obviously they have so much talent in that starting lineup. It's absurd. Joe Harris is going to get a lot of open looks if he can get the ball. Um, and DeAndre Jordan has a starting spot again. So that's not great. I think he's <laughs> going to start and then just never finish games. We're going to see he's, a lot of Kevin Durant at center lineups because that's the yeah. only thing that makes sense. Yeah. Cause if I've seen anything in the first couple weeks of the season, it's that DeAndre Jordan gets very tired very quickly. He does not have the legs he used to. But do you think it like work? Like the cliche is there's only one ball, but and it's like, I'm usually of the opinion you just get as much talent and you can figure it out. We saw J James Harden, Kevin Durant, and like Russell Westbrook work out, but clearly uh, James Harden wasn't the, the kind of high-usage guy he is now. I think I saw some stat that like of the people in the league who have a usage rate over 25, maybe it was even 29% uh, yeah. of the top five, three of them are Durant, Harden, and Kyrie Irving. Is one basketball enough? Like, Or do you just say – like? fuck it, let those guys play. They'll figure it out. You say fuck it and bring in a second ball because you're yeah. going to <laughs> Honestly, I don't know because like you said, they're all very high usage players. Like I, They're going to have to take hits, each of them probably Durant to a lesser degree than than Harden and Kyrie. I, I don't even know, actually. Really, it, it depends on how they want to space it out. But it's I don't know how Kyrie's going to take 
probably taking a backseat. Like he's the third best player in that starting lineup all of a sudden, which was probably not his intention coming into the season. That's the thing. I think Kyrie has the potential to do so. I thought he like before the he gave up on the Celtics, he was having his one of his best years ever in terms yeah. of uh distributing the basketball, playmaking, he, like with with the talented team that kind of emerged up around him. Mm-hmm. He was efficient, he uh was a great playmaker. He took over when he needed to. I think Kyrie can kind of coexist and then I feel like you can Steve Nash we say we feel bad for him, but now he can just stagger 48 minutes of always having James Harden or Kevin Durant on the court. Like the, their offense oh, yeah. is never going to take a downturn at any point. I definitely don't feel bad for Steve Nash for the roster that he has. I feel bad for him having to answer Kyrie questions that he doesn't know the answer to. That is a terrible Kyrie situation. Kyrie doesn't even know the answer to the questions you ask him. Definitely. that. Yeah, I can confirm that. But uh, I don't know. I mean, the high the high usage rates do concern me a little bit, but it seems like these guys are willing to kind of put some things aside to kind of make a push for a championship. I think they're definitely the favorite in the East now. I would oh, say they have to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're by far the most talented team. So I don't know. It's going to be fascinating. I'm now, now the waiting game comes to Kyrie. Like, is he going to come back? When is he going to come back? And what the hell's going on there? I just want to know who James Harden's voting for, for Manhattan district attorney. <laughs> I made maybe, that joke Maybe earlier. we'll find out soon. I made that joke earlier on Twitter, but right as I made it, Shams came out with the announcement that the Pacers had traded Victor Oladipo, and I, so I feel like that just got, got buried. buried. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so let's use that opportunity to talk about, like, uh, I guess Victor Oladipo. Talk about my now. jokes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I always got to use this. This is my main platform to get jokes off. I'm glad you're a more willing participant than Jay. But <laughs> the Rockets basically went for picks over, I think, star talent at this point. You mentioned mm-hmm. it, that the Sixers were the other team rumored. The deal that I saw, I think everyone saw, was Ben Simmons, Tyrese Maxey, uh, which seems like two pretty solid players, especially the way Maxey started. Um, Sixers fans basically clamoring for this deal for a while, but I think it makes more sense for the Raptors, I mean, the Rockets, given their timeline, just completely blow it up, tank this year. They still have some decent players on the roster, so I don't know if they're going to fully tank, but... uh, To me, I would always, if I was playing NBA 2K, I would always go for like eight picks over like a quick fix with a star if I was in franchise mode. Like that's just more fun. Yeah, way more fun, way more fun. And I think if you're the Rockets, you probably have to consider flipping Oladipo maybe at the deadline because he looked pretty good for Indiana over the last few weeks. So you'd think that you could get some, some decent assets in return for him. So maybe if you want to continue to stockpile here, that could be the move going forward. But Again, I, I think they came out looking pretty sharp, and I did not see this being a four-team deal. I mean, it, it, that kind of surprised me. But I thought they did well. They loaded up on assets, and I think, like I said, Oladipo provides them the opportunity to gain even more assets, maybe at the trade line. Or maybe they want to try and re-sign him. Maybe he looks great, and and they want to stick with him. Who really knows? But it's it, it's a nice opportunity to continue loading on assets. What do you think this does for the Pacers? I'm officially declaring that the Raptors are not a top six team in the East. They are garbage. They will forever be garbage. And by forever, I mean probably for the next two months. Do the Pacers slide in? Does this improve their team? We saw the Celtics play them both with and without Oladipo. He didn't seem to make that much of a difference. Yeah. We also know Karis LeVert can absolutely kill the Celtics, but I don't know if it changes a lot for the Pacers. The Pacers feel like they have a lot of guys that they should be better like Karis LeVert or Miles Turner, 
yeah. or just Malcolm Brock. Well, Malcolm Brock was pretty good. I, I have to give respect, but they're just like the guys you think should be amazing. But I just, for some reason, I have no faith in the Pacers. No, I know what you mean. I, I think Karis LeVert is very good. Like you said, he's a bucket. Like he can score with basically anyone in the league. I think he doesn't, he probably lowers their ceiling a little bit. Like I think Victor Oladipo's best is significantly, it's not significantly better, but it's better than Karis LeVert's best. So their ceiling with Levert is probably a little bit lower than the ceiling with, um, well, I'm blanking out here with uh, Oladipo. Victor Oladipo. <laughs> and, uh, and so, yeah, so I, I don't know. I mean, they're still going to be good. And I think it's just nice to have some security with Levert there because Oladipo, again, was in the contract year and he's not playing back-to-backs. You're dealing with the coming off of the injury. So I don't know. I mean, I, I'm a big Levert fan. And I think that was a pretty, pretty good play for them to – get rid of that expiring contract. What does Levert have two to three years left on his contract? Like that's a pretty good scenario. So yeah, they might not have as high of a ceiling, which I'm sure some Pacers fans aren't crazy about, but well, they weren't know. going anywhere this year. I like- think, I think they, what I'm, what I'm getting at is I think it basically like doesn't really change a whole lot. I think they kind of stayed where, where they were near where they were. And they got rid of a guy who apparently reportedly was being asked to, asked to leave and was yeah. like asking other players to trade for him. So yeah, he handled, he handled his trade demand significantly different than James Harden did. He did. He's a little less public about it, but he eventually <laughs> got the same results. He no he longer uh, is playing in Indiana. Now, this is a Celtics podcast. They will now have to try and stop the three-headed monster that is the Brooklyn Nets. I think – I was trying to think about it today – they probably have the best chance of the East just in terms of matching up with that team defensively and in terms of having the guys to possibly slow down the Nets. I say that knowing full well that the Nets, with just Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, kicked the shit out of the Celtics in their own (laughs) building, just like absolutely destroyed them. And so, But you would have to think the Celtics, with their kind of wing depth, with their guys on their roster, uh, have – one of the better chances in the East to possibly beat the Nets. I think it's between them and Milwaukee, but right now it's just looks tough, tough for anyone to be able to slow them down. Yeah. It's going to be really hard to guard the Nets. They were, like you said, they were really hard to guard before they got James Harden. I remember watching them at the garden during the preseason thinking like this, this team is nearly impossible to match up with. Now it's even more so, but you're right. The Celtics wings probably, presents some issues on the defensive end for Brooklyn. But again, like, I don't know how you really match up with them. Jared Allen leaving helps a little bit. It, it does take away some of the front court threats um, that they have dominated against the Celtics always. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he's, a, he's, he's real good inside. So I don't know. I, I don't think anyone's going to be able to stop them. If I'm being honest, I don't think anyone in the East can really match up with them, but I think the Celtics wings could present some problems. And if you can ride Tatum and, and Brown for, I don't know if they're if they're hot like they had been playing up before this hiatus that they're on. You can give them a shot. I don't think it would be enough, but they can give them a shot. Yeah, you know, we we don't know what's going to happen. Maybe James Harden just never gets back into shape and can't play maybe, fourth quarter. Maybe the Celtics will never play again this season. Who we we don't know. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. 
David Yurman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yurman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful design objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless, modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. That is a distinct possibility. We are going yeah. on three games now, and now the rumors out there are that they're kind of going to get back to at least eight players for the Friday game against the Magic. Magic. When are these games going to be made up? Is, is it going to be in this middle part of the season, or is these supposed to be tacked on to the end? Do we know? Like, are they just going to have like to play five games in seven nights to end the season? Right. Like, I know the benefit of not announcing the second half of the schedule was to leave some wiggle room here, but does that mean right? Like, does that mean they? at the end of this first half schedule, they reschedule these games or is it at the way end of the second half of the season? I don't know. No one's really made that clear yet. So I have no idea, but they're going to have some games to make up and it could actually benefit the Celtics if they tack it on at the end of the season. Cause then they might have Kemba for these games, which initially they probably wouldn't have. So that's, that's one plus if there is any in this situation. Kemba now is supposed to come back. I think this Friday against the magic, but that was before the Celtics had to shut down their entire facility. So I, yeah. unless they're having secret practices, I don't think Kemba has been practicing with the team, which probably slows his return. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see what the team looks like when he comes back, because it's basically been a Tatum and Brown show so far. And I think it's, uh, it's not near, I was about to say, it's kind of like the Nets trying to work three stars <laughs> together, but it's not nearly the same. <laughs> Considering one, Kemba, Jason, and Jalen uh, played an entire season together last year, but the, and they're just not nearly on the same level. But how do you think Kemba's return kind of changes this team um, moving forward, especially on the offensive end? Well, it definitely helps with the spacing, right? I mean, we watch this two big lineup all the time, and there's just not nearly enough spacing on the floor for Tatum and Brown to be as effective as you really want them to be. So he just provides that extra guy on offense that the defense really has to pay attention to. Like right now teams can just key in on both Tatum and Brown because they know that's where the majority of the production is coming from. So it does just provide that other guy out there who can score the ball and provide that extra floor spacing. And I don't know. I mean, I, I think his comeback will be pushed off because of these missed games. Cause like you said, they're not going to be able to practice with him and, Brad Stevens said you need the live work before he returns to the lineup, and he certainly hasn't gotten that this week, and I don't see him getting that in the next couple of days. So I think that'll get pushed off, which is unfortunate, but it definitely provides some more spacing, definitely takes some of the heat off of Tatum and Brown, and ultimately that should give a little more upside to the Celtics offense because right now they're extremely reliant on those two wings. It should mean the end of the two big lineup in my head. Like it feels like that's the starting lineup right now because that's legitimately who Brad thinks the five best guys are. Yeah. But when Kemba returns, I just don't see much of Daniel Tice at the power forward position being like the go-to answer. And that kind of brings up the question about do they have too many big men? Like can they play Daniel Tice, Tristan Thompson, and Robert Williams give them enough minutes because mostly those guys are all effective when they're at yeah. the five. Does it open up the move for needing to trade one of those guys? Maybe for PJ Tucker, who <laughs> is probably the next guy out of Houston. 
I mean, it does get kind of weird, right? Because when you take one of those bigs out of the starting lineup, then how does that impact the rotation and who would who would start? I guess you could go matchup by matchup, but I don't know. You, I wouldn't be surprised if we still see some of the two big lineup going forward, just because it's still early in the season and Brad's made it pretty clear that he wants to experiment with some of these lines, even just though so mean to Tice, man. It, yeah, it's it's not working, and there's no spacing out on the floor. It's really not great, and. There some is lineup, some big to big passing though. There's an occasional big to big give and go, which there's, is shit. Gets the the going. Oh yeah, it gets the people going, and maybe that's why Brad sticks with it just for that sole moment once a game. But <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, some of the Rob Williams lineups have been very, very good. Like he's been great on the offensive end. Talk about big passing. Like he's been terrific passing the ball. Uh, defensively, he still has some work to do. But I mean. Where does his, where do his minutes work in? He, he deserves minutes. That's the problem. Is like right, exactly. So how do you twenty four Tyson Thompson? Like yeah, right. So how does he work into the rotation then? If Tice or Thompson leave the starting lineup, I'm not quite sure how Brad does that. Um, and it's a lot like of the it, type of thing you play like each guy like fifteen minutes a game, and then like matchup wise you close with whoever works. But right, I guess a lot of it too depends on what kind of minutes Kemba's going to see when he comes back. He's probably not going to play back to backs. If he's going to be on a minute restriction, we don't really know. So that probably will have a lot to do with it too. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because they're just so like short on the wings that yeah. It's kind of like they don't need three centers. Like it just doesn't they're they like the Romeo. They don't need they don't need yeah, they don't need bigs. They need Romeo. They need Romeo to come back and like be a serviceable guy on the wing and yeah. It that's why a, a trade for one of those bigs would make sense you don't like just trading for the sake of trading but just in terms of roster construction yeah to have three big men who can like arguably give you 20 minutes per game maybe trading that for someone who can knock down threes like a classic three and d guy makes sense for this roster just because i think they're going to end up playing smaller i just don't know which will i I don't think you can trade tristan thompson after bringing him on a mid-level that would just be make no sense yeah it's like Time Lord has all this potential. He offers you vertical spacing. Everyone loves vertical spacing. But then Danny Two Blocks over here has just like played himself into an NBA starting center and has been was amazing last year. Yeah. I think eventually if you came down to brass tacks, you end up trading Tice. If I'm making this up, if uh, one person needs to go, but it just feels like they just if Aaron Neesmith's not going to be good, they need uh, I don't know. That's, I'm that's, right why, that's why I'm so mad that we're not getting these games because Neesmith would have played a lot during this oh, stretch. Yeah. And I really do want to see him get like 20 minutes in a couple games in a row so we don't have this small sample size of him basically running around on defense with his head cut off like he has no idea what's going on, which is all we've we really got. that for 20 minutes in a row. <laughs> yeah, see, that would be un- just tremendous content. And instead, we don't have that. But we could get it on Friday, which would be nice um ideally better than running around with his head cut off but and we can um, get 35 minutes of fast pp to go along with it you know i'm always on board for that i'm i'm always on board for more fast pp so i i don't know i i do think the big issue is an actual problem once kemba comes like not a problem but um i don't know just kind of an issue back makes it just like it gives you the option to be able to do something about it i don't think it's an issue if all three centers but buy into like kind of playing a platoon and just being like then you're fine. Brad loves to experiment with lineups. It's like, it's certainly not a thing. I just think the wing depth, it's certainly going to be improved by um, Kemba coming back, but he's coming yeah. back and really 
if you talk about old positions, uh, is really only a one. Like he's not some guy that allows you to switch through multiple positions. And so you're still going to see a lot of Shemi Oshelay and you're still going to see a lot of Grant Williams. And I think Shemi has been a delightful surprise this season. Shemi's uh, playing the best basketball of his life. Sorry, I'm just a little skeptical that it's sustainable. I don't know. I mean, just like, but he's he's been great. I just think you're going to want more consistent wing depth. And I'll put my hand up right now, Shemi. I'm, I'm doubting him. I, and I feel bad about it because he's a nice fellow. I mean, it's okay because you, in years past, you've seen him go on good stretches and then never this off, good. So. Never this never, good, though. Never That's why I'm so skeptical. So maybe he's turned the corner. You're getting more minutes now, a little more consistency. So I don't know. But he's been very, very good on both sides of the ball. There's been plenty of stretches where, in years past, he's been tremendous on defense for long stretches, but just horribly inconsistent offensively. But he's been great on both sides of the ball. So if you keep using him, like he has really helped the Celtics a ton. Because other than him, they don't have any other wings to to play off the bench. Real realistically, well, they have Jeff Teague and Fast Pete Wait, but they don't have any like guys. They have like guys with size like it. Like they just they don't really have many other options. So I, I don't know. It it's if he can keep this up, that would be huge. Because Lord knows when Langford's going to come back, and he doesn't necessarily provide the consistency that Ojale has this year on offense. That's wild to say. I know relying on uh, bench scoring from Shemi Ojale. Yeah, now, it's crazy. Do we think the Celtics come can come back and just not go through this again? I mean, the NBA had their grand meeting and they said we're going to tighten up these COVID rules. <laughs> yeah, um, which was a bit ridiculous to me because one for one, some of the rules to begin with, I'm pretty sure that when the uh, players traveled on the road, they could have any like they could have two guests in their room who didn't have to be tested. Yeah. And that just feels like a COVID palooza. Yeah. So, I, I like really glad understand. they tightened that one up. But what was your reaction to them just like coming in and changing some of the rules? That was my first reaction. I had no idea they could have like a couple guests in their room, which I think is just a ridiculous flaw in the system. Like they want this airtight system outside of the outside of a bubble. It it's not very airtight if you're just allowing guests in there. So I thought that was ridiculous. But more than anything, I I'm still just dumbfounded at the NBA basically denying any possibility of on-court transmission of this thing. Like it's, it is mind blowing that at this point they can still say, well, you can't hug after a game, but you can still guard a guy for 40 minutes a night in his face and use the same ball, breathe all over the same ball. Like that is pretty insane to me. And um, I don't know. I, makes no this, sense it makes it makes absolutely no sense and it kind of concerns me like if i'm a relative or something or like a family member someone living with these players like that is a major red flag in this entire system that makes no sense to me and like bradley beal can hug tatum and stuff and then he misses a game but then didn't he play the next game like right after that like i don't i don't fully i don't fully understand their contact tracing system and i don't know the encore transmission though was my biggest takeaway for sure oh yeah it's it's complete poppycock. It's ballyhoo. It's tomfoolery. <laughs> and it's just there, it's just bureaucracy at its finest form. The NBA created a set of seem like I don't want to say they're arbitrary rules, because I'm sure there's legitimate scientists who gave their best guess as to what the best policy was. But the NBA has taken that as the letter of the law, and they're like, I'm sure they had someone with a stopwatch just like monitoring how long Jason Tatum was in within six feet. I'm sure they used synergy data to say when players <laughs> were in six feet with each other and measured it. But it's just like 
it feels very robotic and just been like, this is the rule and we're going to apply it as exactly as follows. And it's just to most people, it's not going to make sense, but God damn it. We have rules. Yeah. It was crazy. Like the first reports that come out of that GM call, nothing to do with any encore transmission or anything like that, but they say we're going to change shoot around time. So they do them at the arena and not at the practice facility. It's like, all right, like what, what are we doing here? What are, what are these? It makes Makes no sense at all. Was the practice facility just a free for all where anyone yeah. was walking in and out? Like, yeah, how does this make any sense? I blows my mind. Absolutely. And they're going to short open like meetings before the game between teammates who like now they can only be there. They can only arrive two and a half hours before the game. It's just felt like a lot of weird things when the glaring issue is like, oh no, we just these guys are going to give it to each other while playing. Also, the you know how players now have to wear a mask like basically right when they come off the court. The the special chair off of the court that they can go sit in, which is basically like their safe zone where they go like without a mask. It's there's no chairs without within like a certain distance. I didn't of it. know there was a special chair. I feel like it's right up your alley. I don't know exactly the specifics of the special chair, but you can go. It's like a spot to go without a mask. Like when you come out of the game and like cool down, it's like a cool. Is this chair. newly added special chairs? This been something that's been in place that I haven't been aware I of. I think it came in after the calls the other day. Ooh, well, I'm glad to know they added a special. Ooh, I hope we can get a sponsored camera for the special chair when they enter the special chair. Look it up right now. I'll try to find the details. That's absolutely ridiculous. I've never really gotten the mask rules on the court. Uh, the still having six. I guess it's all just like precautions to try and not get it, but it feels weird where you're testing these guys every day and then they're playing a very uh, physical sport where people breathe heavy next to each other, but right. we're just going to like protect them by using masks and having a special chair zone. It's all felt very weird to me, but it, it, it's not surprising. It feels like they're just trying to push forward and uh, just not acknowledge the fact that they're doing so, uh, with while risking the player's health like that's yeah. just that's just a thing that everyone has accepted but they're not willing to say out loud at what point do you think because we're starting to get a string of these games getting canceled like there's a couple canceled tonight there's a couple already canceled for friday how far do you think that has to go for them for a pause to be in question because i would think it would be right around now but it seems like that's not the case oh no i feel like they're pot committed to just oh yeah powering through this and yeah. like their statements afterwards are just like, no, we expected this to happen. It feels like they are, they see some some uh, sunlight in the distance. They with the vaccine coming, they're just like, we're gonna try and do as much as we can to just deal with this right now. Yeah, and push on through because the thing that's difficult is if they do take off or like say they shut down for two weeks. Like, what is the threshold again when you know the coronavirus inevitably comes back because? It always it's has. Been, it's been, it always yeah. Undefeated so far. Coronavirus. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so this is like the callous thing, but it's also just the thing I think is most likely to happen is just like, they're just going to keep going. Yeah. They'll yeah. cancel games until they have players. I wouldn't be surprised if they opened up rosters to like allow teams to have more guys. Yeah, like a, taxi squad. Yeah. a guy named Dakota hit a big three in a, the Sixers heat game there. And I, I was, well, where did this guy come from? <laughs> yeah, he's Fairly part of their taxi the, squad. He's from oh the Texas God. Legends, but he had a huge <laughs> three down the stretch. Um, and you so, want to? Uh, it, it's it's absolutely like yeah, it's mind blowing. People named Dakota playing in the NBA. Absolutely, <laughs> no. Right, here's here's your. Uh, so this is although players are required to wear masks on the bench during games, they could sit in a so called cool down chair 
without a mask after exiting the game, so long as they are arranged at least 12 feet from the bench with each chair standing six feet apart. So Ooh. sponsored cool down chairs might be a great, like a Michelob Ultra cool down chair. That's Ooh, like, yeah, that's a good sponsorship. Or the Coors, cool as the Rockies. If the chair turns blue, you're properly refreshed. <laughs> <laughs> now you're on to something. That's it. Now they could go anywhere in the stadium. I, um, you've been going to all of these home games. I went to yeah. one last Friday and it was spooky. I don't know how weird, you do right? it, man. It's very bizarre. It's very, very weird. And it is, I am so anti fan noise and like music. The intro, you saw it. Like, how bizarre is it when they do the full intros and the intro video just to 20,000 empty seats? It's extremely bizarre. It's weird. It's very performative. It's like the players seem kind of confused about what's going on, but I don't get it. It was, I like the kind of part of it. I I mean, despite the fact that there was 20,000 seats below, they put me up as far away from the game as possible. (laughs) And it's always a little disheartening to see all of those open seats. But even with that being one of like, what, 50 people in the room, you could hear the communication and the players talking so much more. I'm sure you could get better, uh, kind of hear that better from your vantage point down there. That is kind of a cool part of going, but then you're right. They just ruin it by with like still playing crazy train. Yeah. Like blasting music. It's absolutely insane. I mean, it is, it is cool because you do like, you still get the stuff that you wouldn't get on TV. Like you can see what goes on during the timeouts and you can see the stuff behind the scenes, but the in arena experience as a whole is just really, really weird. And you're in like a glass case where you're sitting, but you still can hear stuff on the court. It's I actually sat up there for a game earlier this year up on the ninth floor, and I found it easier to hear stuff on the court up there. Ooh, than maybe it's down. a good spot. Maybe they're a good spot you- because the speakers are like directly behind where we sit in the corner. So the speakers are like right in your up top. At least you get more of the chatter on the court. But I don't know. The players have to find it extremely annoying to have that music just blaring. I think they must have just tuned it out at this point because yeah, they, they probably just seemed to be pretty okay with just playing in an empty arena. It was it was quite spooky for me to be there, especially I got there. It was my first game of the year. I got there right as doors opened, and then it was just me alone in TD Garden from 5 to 7 p.m. Oh, it's brutal because normally you can like walk on the court or like talk to people like in the locker room, whatever. There is nothing to do at all, at no. all. It's yeah, it's brutal. It's brutal. That's my I, favorite time about being on the beat is just standing around uh next to the court looking important. Oh and my god, gotta, yeah, look like you're doing something. It's the best. You know, on your phone, just checking the tweets of the six dudes next to you who are just <laughs> looking at the, same, the thing. Exact same thing. Yeah, exactly. That's, That's what it was. Uh I miss yeah. that. I do too. Oh, man. Yeah. It's been it's gonna be wild. Uh hopefully the Celtics come back soon. We don't know if that's going to happen, but uh Fingers crossed for Friday night uh, when they maybe have eight guys. I think Grant Williams and Tristan Thompson will be back. Did Time Lord test positive, or is that just a salacious rumor put out by Himmelsbach? It was. I I trust Himmelsbach. I think he did. I think he did test positive. So that would mean he wouldn't clear because that's seven or ten to fourteen days. Um, Do we know? We don't know who the eighth guy is because they had. I was going to say, yeah, we don't know who the additional player was who went into the contact tracing protocol. And also, do we know for? I don't know if we know for sure that Grant and Tristan would be cleared. I think timeline-wise, it would make sense that Friday would be the first day they would clear, but they would be the only. That's the short end because then isn't they have to be the seven for ten days? Yeah. So I, I have, I have no idea, but I. I, I guess it would just be the two of them, right? We're not missing anyone. That would 
clear protocols? No, because I think everyone else entered the following when Tatum was tested or right. tested positive. What but that's mess. all they need. It was a complete mess. They only need two guys. They'll we'll see what happens when they uh, play. We with can get a Dakota. Teams. We'll find a Dakota to go out there. There's got to be a Dakota out there somewhere willing to play for the Celtics. I'm 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 just excited for the kind of. It throws such a degree of randomness, and it's so again I say callous for me to uh, celebrate people being out with COVID, and I'm not doing that. But it's just it's just like a a weird fantasy world where it's like, now you have to play these next eight games with your like five through 13th best players. I mean, the injury reports are objectively outrageous looking at the lists and lists of players. And it's hysterical that they are pushing through and saying, no, you still have to play. It's unbelievable. And it's just like, no, the regular season doesn't really matter anymore. Uh, We just got to get through. And that is kind of, uh, makes sense. That's why this year won't matter if the Lakers win a championship. That's why last year didn't matter when the Lakers win a championship because there's a fake season. Um, but if it returns ever, uh, anything is potable. We'll be here to talk about it. Chris from Forbes.com, thank you for joining me and thank you for the listeners out there to listening to this episode of Anything is Potable! As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.